Father, we thank you. We thank you for all your blessings. And we pray that this morning that you will speak to us, that we'll hear. You will put things in a new context for us and, and give us a new understanding. Thank you, Lord. Amen. So in this 30-day uh, challenge that we're doing called Be Brave, Trust God, uh, it's quite easy to focus on the first bit, isn't it? I've got to be brave. But today, I'm going to focus on the second bit about trusting God. And, you know, the thing about God is he gets a lot of bad press these days. And I'm going to have a look at that this morning. But it's... Let me, let me say a, bit, a, a fundamental thing. You are not going to trust somebody if you don't believe they're trustworthy. Yeah? You only trust people you believe are trustworthy. Now, sometimes we get that right, sometimes we get it wrong, but we trust people because we believe they're trustworthy. Now, in Jesus, uh, Jesus, when he was on earth, he said something really fundamental that helps us sort out who we should be trusting. And in John chapter 10, verse 10, he said this. The thief, that's the devil, doesn't come except to steal, to kill and to destroy. I've come that you may have life and that you may have it more abundantly. So Jesus is on a mission and the church is on a mission and every believer is on a mission to have life and life more abundantly. But we have an enemy who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And it's really important that we put that in the right camp, isn't it? You see, some people have this idea that God sends rubbish and bad things into your life to teach you lessons, and God's just like in control of everything. He's shaping everything. He's making some people miserable, some people happy, and all that sort of stuff. You know, when we hear that sort of stuff, it's really important that we actually listen to what God says about himself and not what people dream up in the supermarket. You see, the truth is, God is good. Yes. It's the enemy who comes to steal, kill and destroy. And we live in a world which is in a mess. Some messy things happen. But God is good. You know, I think it's, yeah, all the time, well done, mother-in-law, all the time he's good. <laughs> See, biggest fan at the back there. <laughs> all the time, God is good. He's consistent. <coughs> he doesn't change. You know, the Bible tells us that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And, you know, we have, but we have a problem in the world. And it doesn't help pinning the blame on the wrong suspect. Have you, have you watched any of those, uh, like, murder movies? And before they actually arrest the real suspect, they've always been through two or three wrong ones, haven't they? Two or three false suspects. But it's really important when we're looking at the things that are happening in our life that we know who the right suspects are so we can get help from God. Because if you're blaming God, it's not too easy to trust him to give you help, is it? So we need to know it's not his issue. So how's it all work then? I'm going, to try, I'm going to attempt to open up something really big this morning. And I'm going to talk about it the next few weeks as well. But I want to look at who the suspects are for the bad things that happen in our lives. 
You see, even Jesus said bad things are going to happen to good people. And to be honest, the more you walk with me, the more people are going to reject you, and the more people are going to hate you, and the more people are going to walk away from you. So Jesus didn't expect us to have an easy life. Now, wouldn't it be great if we could design a church, because, you know, we could try, where all that we needed to do was you come forward, I put my hand on you, pray for you, and life's great. Unfortunately, Jesus said it's not like that, guys. Because you live in a fallen world. And in that world, there's a problem. And that problem is sin. Now, we don't like that word, do we? But let's see where it comes from. Sin is a result of something that God did. Oh, Matt's getting on theological ground here. Sin is a result of something that God did. It's a result of a choice he made. And that choice he made was to give you free will. And as a result of free will, sin came into the world because Adam used that free will to decide not to follow God. And ever since then, we've all gone down that same path. Sin is wrong choices. If we've got choice, which God has has given us, it will result in sin. But then we come to a bigger question. And the question is this. If God is good, like you're telling us, Mark, if God is good and you're telling us to trust him, then why is the bad things happening in my life? Why is the suffering in my life? Why is the sickness Why doesn't he stop bad things happening to good people? I mean, if he's God, he can do it, couldn't he? Why why did I lose my job? Why didn't that relationship work out? Why this, why that, why that, why that, and so on and so on and so on. We have all got questions, haven't we? We've all got questions. And I'm not going to give you any pat answers. I'm going to give you some answers, but I'm not going to, I cannot possibly give you all the answers. Now, I'm not copying out, and I'll explain why I can't give you all the answers. But that's important, because we never are going to have all the answers all the time when we want them. And what we've got to learn is to trust God when we don't have the answers. Because it's really easy to trust God, isn't it, when you've got the answers, Like, oh, I can see how that happened. I can work all that out. Yeah, of course I can trust God. It's much harder to trust God when you haven't seen what you wanted to see. You didn't get what you wanted when you wanted it. And more importantly, you don't understand what the heck's going on in your life. Then it's much harder to trust God. It's much harder to trust God when horrible things are happening in your life. And so... One of the things that will help us walk in a greater level of faith in God and therefore see more of God's answers in our life is to live with this. I don't know why this is happening, God, but I'm choosing that I'm going to trust you. And when I need the answer, 
I'm trusting you'll get it to me. But until I see the answer, I'm going to trust you anyway. That's the difference between a believer and a churchgoer. That's the difference between seeing God move in your life and not seeing him move in your life. That's the difference between building a church on the power of God or building it on the organisation and money of men. You see, what Jesus came to give us a real faith and a real belief that makes a difference in real lives when you're not in this building. And to see that, we're going to have to trust God when we don't have all the answers. I might not have every answer, but I've settled in my heart because Jesus told me that God is good. And he's good all the time. That's his nature. And let me come back to that first thing I said. The reason that there's bad things in the world is because sin is in the world. Now, I'm not necessarily saying that's your sin. It might be your sin. You might have really messed up and you're reaping the consequences of it in your life. But life's a lot more complex than just what you do. There's all sorts of people that you interact with. And I, and I want to explore that a bit this morning so we can get a bigger picture of what's going on and why we can't have all the answers but need to trust God anyway. You see, let me start with that first one. Let me start with this. Uh, go with me to Galatians. If you've got your Bibles, go with me to Galatians chapter 6, verse 7. If you haven't got your Bibles, it'll be on the screen anyway. But if you have got the Bibles, go, go to it because then you can check me out, can't you? You can make sure I'm not, I'm not like pulling the rug over your eyes or whatever. I'm telling you the truth. Galatians 6, verse 7. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever man sows, that he will also reap. Let me ask you a question. How many times have you made bad choices and then when the consequences started coming, you pleaded with God to bail you out? You can, yeah, you can confess publicly if you want. You don't have to, but yeah. We do that, don't we? <laughs> we make our messes and then we pray and ask God to bail us out. And when he doesn't, we're kind of disappointed, aren't we? Yeah. But if he bailed us out every time, this wouldn't be true, would it? That you reap whatever you sow. There's a, there's a law in process in the world. So if we make bad choices, if we do stupid things, there are consequences. Now, wouldn't it be great, like I said, if you could come to the front of the church, I could lay hands on you and the consequences go away. Unfortunately, Jesus said it's not like that. We're living in reality here, not some fantasy land. And what we do affects our life. And sometimes we have to own up that the biggest cause of problems and suffering in our own life is us. Culprit number one. Suspect number one identified. Us. Yeah? Do, do you agree with me? Are you still with me? Because that's the easy one. Now, I just want to clarify this for you a little bit. You see, God loves you. And he loves you not based on anything you do. I don't want you to get confused about this. God loves you, and it's not based on what you do. I'm not saying, 
that, you know, God only loves you when you do good things. That's just not true. God loves you, period. Full stop. <coughs> and he loves you in spite of what you do. And, but here's the point that I'm making. When you get yourself in trouble by doing stupid, dumb things, God hurts for you. You know, like, they don't do it so much now, but let's take my kids. When they were growing up, they did some stupid things. And you kind of wish, as a good parent, they hadn't done those stupid things. And, and, it, and you don't, some, you know, sometimes you don't approve of what they've done, yeah? Anybody, people who've got kids, do you agree? Yeah. yeah? They do stuff that is just plain wrong and plain stupid. But as a parent, you hurt, don't you? Yeah. You don't want them messing up and doing that because they're making a mess of their life and you don't want that for them. And that's how God sees us. It's not that he's oblivious to what, what's going on. He's hurting for us and with us. And he's saying, don't do it because I can see what that's sowing into your life and you won't want what that's going to reap. So don't stop it. Don't do it. See, a lot of the problems we have in our life is about how we sow. I'm just giving you some hard truths this morning. A lot of the problems you experience in your life is about how you sow. And you sow in all the wrong conditions. We sow a lot of stuff in anger. We sow in offense. We sow stuff into our relationships in bitterness. We sow stuff in in judgment. We sow in all the wrong conditions and then we expect to get a good crop coming up in our life. And it doesn't work. It just doesn't work. We sow in greed. We sow in self-dependence. We sow in insecurity. We sow with our backs turned to God and we expect him to come through for us when we've just ignored him. And then we blame him when things go wrong. And we can't do that. We have to face up to ourselves and say, a lot of the things that are wrong in my life has to do with me. So how do you respond to that? You don't respond and say, God, bail me out of it, because you'll just do it again. What you do is you respond and you go, God, change me. Change me. Stop me being so dumb and stupid and messing my life up like this change me and he's got the power to do that and he will do it if you let him so suspect number one you now let me talk to you a little bit more about love i like love it's my favorite subject right at the start of the church we said we wanted to be a church that was rooted and grounded in love because in all god's priorities in all the things he's bothered about love is number one in fact, he says, if you do anything, even if it's a good thing, and you don't do it because you were motivated by love, even though it's the most fantastic thing you've ever seen, it counts for nothing. So you can tell a mountain to be raised up, thrown in the sea, which would be pretty impressive if it was on BBC News, and God would be going, I'm not impressed, you didn't do it out of love. And that, you see, love is at the core of who God is, and it's the core of his priorities. Now, here's the thing about love. As I said at the start, love has to be chosen. Oh, it's not real love. That's why you were given free choice. That's why you've got the ability to mess up and you're not a robot. 
That's why you can sow all that rubbish in your life, because you've got free choice. Why have you got free choice? Because God wants a love that is chosen. Because love that's not chosen, love that's enforced, isn't love at all, is it? So because God loves us and because he, he gave us the ability to love him, the result of that is sometimes we can misuse that ability and not operate out of love for him or others. You see, if you have, when God made the, uh, the creation, when he made the earth, when he made everything out there and everything in here, including you, his goal was love. But God being God knows that's a risk because he knows you might misuse it. He knows you might choose not to, not to operate out of love. He knows you might choose to regularly operate out of anger and strife and bitterness and self-centeredness and all the rest of it. But he's willing to uh, deal with that and work with that because what he wants is to produce love. That's the priority. If God wanted, you, wanted love, it has to be chosen. And because it has to be chosen, you've also got the ability to reject it. In Deuteronomy chapter 30, uh, which is just one of like, the passages where that, this, this like, choice thing is confirmed, it says this, See, I have set before you today life and good, death and evil. This is Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 15, and then verse 20. I call heaven and earth as witnesses today against you, that I have set before you life and death. Now, remember, right at the start, we said the enemy comes to what? Bring, steal, kill, and destroy. Death. I've come, Jesus, so you can have life and life in all its abundance. God, right through his word, has been saying, I've set before you life and death. You've got to decide every choice that you make, which side you're going to come down on. Are you going to come down in this choice on the side of life, or are you going to come down on the side of death? It's up to you. And this is what he says. I call heaven and earth, he's witnessed it again against you, set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. And here's the clue. Therefore, choose life. That both you and your descendants may live, that you may have Love the Lord your God that you may obey his voice and you might cling to him. For he is your life and length of your days. Here's what he's saying. He's saying, if you want life, cling to me. Choose me. Because I'm the only one you can trust. I'm the only one that is always, always, always going to be for you. I'm the only one in the whole of creation that is capable of loving you unconditionally. You don't have to earn my love. I love you. Therefore, choose me. Because that's where life is. That's where purpose is. That's where joy is. That's where peace is. Because that's where God is. And he's gunning for you. He's out for you. He's, he's, he's looking out for you. He's pursuing you. And he's saying, choose me. Choose me. Because we have free choice, that means, just think about this. This is a big concept for you. How are you doing with big concepts? I know it's Sunday morning. Can you expand your brains? You want to expand your brain? If God gives you free choice, I'm just going to debunk another bit of religion, okay? 
you might have... I'm going to change some of your perceptions today because some of you will have accumulated some rubbish. But if God's given you free choice, that means that if you choose not to go God's way, this world isn't as God intended it to be. Because a lot of people have chosen not what God wanted. Yeah. You see, there's some people, I, don't, I, don't, I really don't know how people get here, but so many believers and so many other people think God's just doing it all and it's good and it's bad and we just have to take what life throws at us. That's absolute rubbish. It's no wonder the devil's walking all over you, stealing, killing and destroying in life, if that's your attitude. Because God is for you. But if you exercise your free choice, this world isn't how God wants it to be. That's why the church is here. In order to, to bring heaven to earth. You know, like when Jesus said, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. He expects us to be part of that process. He expects us to be part of the process of bringing heaven to earth. And it's quite, that is precisely because the earth isn't how God wants it. He's not controlling everything. He's not messing you around in your life. He's not the one to blame. Jesus said this, Luke 6, 45, A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good. And an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So what's the goal? The goal is this. Remember I said that God's after relationship with you. The goal that God is looking for is for you to have a good enough relationship with him so that when things are going wrong, you can go to him and say, what have I sowed that made this mess? And look to him to help you walk it out. Here's the point. God wants you to run to him, not away from him when you mess up. Yeah. But there's also something else. Not everything is down to us. There's more than us in the picture. Therefore, when we go to God and you say, why is this happening in my life? And he doesn't show you it's down to you. Then don't go digging. Because so many people make themselves absolutely miserable, freeze their life up and, and put life on hold for 20 years because they think it's all down to them, but they don't know why. If God doesn't show you, it's not you. God's perfectly capable of showing you. So if he doesn't show you, don't go digging. So, suspect. Let's have another suspect. Other people. Oh, that's, that, that's better, isn't it? Because that, that, that's not, he's not... I like Mark now. He's not talking about me anymore. Other people. You just have to remember, to me, you're other people. <laughs> <laughs> you see, other people's sin makes messes. And... There's a lot of unbelievers out there and there's a, lot of there's a lot of believers who are doing stupid, stupid stuff and making really bad choices. So what do you do in this aspect? 
You see, you can't control other people. Some people try and sort of, I guess, enclose their life by trying to control everybody around them. Let me tell you, you can't. However hard you try, you, you know, have you, anybody played that game? I think in England it's called Whack Attack. And you played it with your kids and it's got like these things that pop up and you have to hit them on the head with the hammer and they go down again. And the more, you, you can keep hitting them, but other ones are popping up all over the place. It's like that when you try and control everybody else. You can't do it. Not only can you not do it, you're making it worse by trying. Because now you're doing stuff that is unhealthy by trying to control people. So how do, how do we deal with this? Like The fact that other people's sin affects us. You see, we can't fix other people. But what we can do is trust a good God when he tells us that he will turn all things to the good of those who love him. You see, God can take other people's evil and wrong, and not only will he vindicate you, but ultimately he's capable of turning it to your good. Yeah. Now, some of you will be going, I cannot see how God can bring anything good out of this that's happening in my life. Well, you don't know God. Your God is too small. God isn't a little itty-bitty God. He's a great big God. And he can do anything. And he said, I will turn all things together for good of those who love me. So you are not going to be a victim of other people's sin forever. But it will take time for it to be turned for your good. And in that time, you will have to trust God. I, I was getting um, interviewed live yesterday to promote a, a conference that I'm speaking at in July called the Real Dad Conference. And I think it's on the understanding that I'm a real dad and not a fake one. And one of the things that, that we were talking about there is how, how do you deal with stuff when you've got difficult relationships? But this is a principle that applies across everything. Most of us can manage to believe God and trust God for a certain length of time. But not many of us get to the end and see the answer. And it's not because we have a faith problem. It's because we have a patience problem. And you need the two together. And when God says, I'm going to turn all things together for your good, it's not that we, don't, we, we can't believe that. It's that how long are we willing to believe it for till we see it? Like Joseph had to wait decades to see it. And yet he ended up as the second most powerful person in Egypt from a prison cell. But it didn't come automatically. It didn't come straight away. And, and we need to, that time, it's not about faith. It's about patience and enduring. And, and that's something that we need to develop. And we can only endure if we trust God and we've got the right culprit. Now, here's another culprit. The sin principle in the world. That, that sounds kind of theological, doesn't it? The sin principle in the world. I don't think most of us fully grasp the difference and how huge it is between what we see here and what things are like in heaven. I don't think we even think about it. 
I don't think we really appreciate how much pressure we are under and how much, uh, how much is working against us to get us to give in and give up. You see, the devil doesn't have to win completely. All he has to stop you is make you ineffective. It doesn't start by trying to pull you away from God. It starts by pulling you away from other believers. He does it in stages. And we're under pressure. You see, we're under pressure because 90-odd percent of this country don't even think about God and don't believe in God. And so they create the culture around us. And, and we're under that pressure. We live in a world that is not run on kingdom lines. Now, it's our job to bring the kingdom into that. I, I don't know if you, um, you've really thought about this lately, but it's really important you're here this morning. It's really important you're here every, mo- every Sunday morning. Because then you can hear the word, you can be encouraged, but more importantly, you're there to encourage others and pray for others. But if all that's all you ever do, then quit now. Because light in this building's no good. Light's meant to be in the darkness. Light is only effective in the darkness. Nobody, nobody can tell that you're full of light at the moment. They can, the only way you can tell you're full of light is when you go out into the darkness and bring light into it. And, and so when we, we're surrounded by that darkness, our mission is to bring light into that darkness. It's our mission to bring light into Adam Brooks, into the university, into schools, into workplaces, into offices, into the station, onto the station platform on a Monday morning or whatever you're doing. It's our job to bring light. And, and there's this sin principle in the world because that's not the way the world is operating. There's darkness out there and it's missing us bringing the light into it. When it says in the word that death entered creation, when Adam chose to go his own way, when he exercised his free choice, it says death entered creation. That means that this world that we are living in isn't as God intended it. Because God looked at creation before Adam said that, and he said, this is really good. This is very good, in fact. You see... When Adam chose his own way, and, sit, and, and as we, you know, in case you want to blame Adam, we've been doing the same thing ever since. It brought consequences actually into creation itself. So, for instance, it brought disease. There was no disease before. There's disease in creation. It brought aging. You know, you can invest in skin creams, but aging is still a reality. It, it brought predators. There weren't predators before. It brought viruses. It brought plagues. It brought epidemics. It brought earthquakes. It brought floods. It brought all sorts of things. You see, creation is sick. That's not an act of God that the insurance men say it is. That's an act of sin. Because creation is sick. And it's getting sicker. Now, God's going to redeem it when, he, when Jesus comes back. But until then, the process is 
Creation is sick and it gets sicker. And we have to live in that. And if we, we're not aware of that, the things that exist in creation, sickness, disease, all the rest of it are going to get us. But God's provided for our healing. God's provided for our life. God's provided for us. But if we don't know that, if we don't know what's going on, we'll start blaming God instead of what's out there. Our bodies are not how they're meant to be. That's why we get a new one when Jesus comes back, because this one isn't the final product. I can diet, I can jog, I can use skin creams, but I still won't get the body that walks through walls and shines and glows and never gets old and never gets sick. But I can trust God right now to be my healer, to be my deliverer, to be my protector. Now, I'm coming right to the end of it now. Are you ready for the, the, a really big concept? Yeah. This is at the moment where you say, you, you're thinking to yourself, I live in Cambridge, so now I've got to live up to it. We've got a big concept coming. Okay? Stretch your minds. Just, just breathe. Breathe deep. Here you go. I can stand here all day. And I can go on about these suspects, the enemy, your own messes, other people's messes. The culture of the world, the darkness in the world, the sickness of creation. And it still won't answer every question that you've got in your life. You will not be able to string all that together and get an answer to every question. You'll get an answer to a lot of questions, but you won't get an answer to every question. Why? Because life is too complex for answers to every question. And that's why we have to trust God when we don't have all the answers. Life is so incredibly complex that when you put all those things together, the enemy, you, everybody else, believers, unbelievers, bad choices, good choices, um, darkness out there in the culture, the sickness in creation, when you put it all together, you cannot predict every outcome. And so here's what I want you to take away from this. Asking God, why is this happening in my life, is very rarely the right question. Asking God, why is this happening in my life, is the wrong question most of the time. Because if you go down that route, it'll take you away from God, not to him. I'll tell you why it's the wrong question. And then I'll tell you what the right one is. Because you want to know what the right one is, don't you? Yeah. I mean, two people here come driven all the way from Caster this morning to find out what the right question is. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? Yeah. They, they've come all the way back from their holidays to come to church yeah. and to come to Bible school tonight. Isn't that phenomenal? Yeah. 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 yeah, let's give them a round of applause. Yeah. 
Where were you when tea was being made this morning? <laughs> okay, let me let me explain something to you. Some a discovery that well, it's not that it's quite a recent discovery in science actually that explains what the Bible already tells us if we read the Bible. But scientists take a little bit longer to get there. Yeah. And here's it this. If everybody has free will, all the decisions of every free agent on the planet, all, almost 7 billion of them, interacts. So if I make a decision this morning, the likelihood is it will, if it was relating to church, it would affect most people in this room and some people who aren't here. And you will all make decisions as a result of that decision. And that will affect lots of people. Now, when you scale that up and you've got everybody in Cambridge and, and Haverhill and Ely and all the surrounding areas making all their own decisions, all their own choices, all interacting in each other, all impacting on each other, you cannot possibly predict the outcome. Do you get that? Do you, do you start to understand? Now, when you put that into a whole world of 7 billion people on a sick planet in where even believers don't know what they're supposed to be doing, you have a problem. If the question you're asking is, why is this happening to me? Why, why are you doing this to me, God? He's not. It's just where we are and the product of all those different things. And you cannot understand it. Anyway, the theory that science has come up with, you might have heard of it, it's called chaos theory, which is... I guess most of you will have heard it in a different way. Sometimes it's called the butterfly effect. The butterfly effect. We, and the idea of a butterfly effect is that all these things are so interrelated that a but butterfly can flap its wings in America and you get a tsunami in Thailand because of all the interactions. And any slight variation in that process produces a different outcome. That's not chaos theory. That's not butterfly effects, nothing. That's life. That's the, the world we live in until Jesus comes back and sorts it out. So trying to understand why me in that context is just the wrong question. The right question is, who do I turn to? And how do I respond? Let me take you back to the beginning because I'm going to finish here. Love requires choices. Trusting God or not trusting God requires choices. Every single minute of every single day, you're, taking, you're making choices. And the choices you make shape your life. They don't absolutely control your life because everybody else is doing things as well. But the primary thing that shapes your life is the choices you make. So if you understand all this, that, com that, that creation is just way too complex and the way we all interact is just way too complex, how do you react? You trust God and you start making good choices. Because you might not be able to control all those interactions, all those ripples that go out from everybody's choices and all interact. 
but you can drop some good ripples into the pond. You can throw some stones into that pond and start some good stuff going. So when you don't understand, you don't back down. You throw stones like David did and you take down Goliaths in your life. You throw stones into the pond and create some good ripples. You do good. You help people, you love people, you care for people. And while you're waiting for your answer that you might never be able to understand, you trust God because he can understand and he's got your answer. When we live, which we do, in a world that cannot be understood, we don't have to know why in order to trust God. We just need to remember that he's good. And we need to start throwing some stones of our own, some good stones, some good ripples into that pond. And we settle it. You see, that's what Jesus did when Jesus was on earth. Acts 10, 38, it says, And Jesus went about doing good and healing all who were sick or oppressed of the devil. Did he heal everybody on earth? No, he just did the good where he was. Where is Jesus now? He's right there, and he's right there, and he's right there, and he's right there, and he's right here, and he's right here, and he's right here. He's here, in you. We have his body on earth. So what do we do? We go about doing good and healing and, and dealing with all the repressed of the enemy. We, we throw good ripples into that pond. You can't predict every outcome of your good ripple, but it's better to be throwing good ripples than moany, miserable ripples, isn't it? Yeah. It's, better be, it's better to throw some stones than give up. It's better to throw stones than blame God. We need to recognize God's not our enemy. He's the one who's going to turn all things for good. Let me go back to where I started, Galatians 6. You remember I was talking about sowing and reaping? Yeah. This is what the Apostle Paul finishes that, that thought process with. He says this, and this is verse 9. Let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we will reap if we don't lose heart. That's God's promise. That's God's promise. Now, can you see how that encapsulates the things that I've said. When will you reap? In due season. On what condition? If you don't lose heart. Patience, endurance. When's due season? When's due season? You don't know, do you? That's the point. Nobody knows when my due season is. So we have to trust God that the due season's coming. Yeah. Even when we can't see the due season on the horizon, it's coming. Because God has said, if you keep on doing good, you will reap in due season. Yeah. If you don't faint. So we keep going. This is what we do. We trust God. We do good. We help people. Yeah. Everything else is down to him because you can't sort it anyway. 
Let's stand. Father, I want to thank you. I want to thank you for... Firstly, I want to thank you that you are a good God. And I'm asking you to help me remember that. I'm asking you to just through your Holy Spirit to bring to mind that this is all about choices. And remind me that I can choose you, I can choose the enemy, and that's the limit of my choices. And give me the strength and the patience and the endurance to keep on, keep on, keep on choosing you until my due season. You know, there's lots of due seasons. It's not just a one-off, once-and-for-all due seasons. There's lots of due seasons coming, and they come along at all sorts of different times. But they're coming. That's what God's promised, and he's a good God. So, Father, we thank you. We thank you for all your goodness towards us. And we celebrate how great you are, that when we don't understand... Your answer to that is, it's okay, guys. I've got it. Amen.